Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And good day, everybody. I've episode 128 of the Talking Fires podcast. Ben Fadden, your host here. Thank you very much for joining the show tonight. Uh, hopefully, you can enjoy this show. Uh, for any San Diego sports fans, just had a crushing loss to Creighton. First round of the NCAA tournament, March Madness. San Diego State loses in overtime. They deserve to lose that game. Man, but that sucked watching that. I mean, Trey Pulliam stepped out of bounds late, missing that layup in overtime. Matt Bradley missing the free throw that would have put him ahead with seconds to go in the regular uh, second half and, you know, the regular spot in the game. And then, obviously, him coughing it up there late in overtime, that last chance when they were down by two and could have won it with a three, and he ends up coughing it up. I mean, they they, they deserve to lose that game. Nathan Mensa fouled out uh, with some time left. So they, they deserve to win that game. They were not playing fundamentally good basketball there at the end, and that just sucks. Their season's over. And the Mountain West goes 0-4 in the first day. It's not even the end of the first day, and Mountain, Mountain West has zero teams left. It, it was supposed to be a great year for them, four teams there in the Mountain West title game. And then you have Boise State lose. You have San Diego State lose. You have Wyoming lose to Indiana in the play-in round. Uh, you have Colorado State lose. I mean, just nothing was great for the Mountain West in this tournament. But this is a Padres podcast. Again, Talking Friars. Again, welcome in for the live audience. Thank you for everyone listening on the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, when this goes out. Episode 128. This is sponsored by Gaglione Bros. 
cheesesteaks and subs. You can find them in the sports arena in Point Loma, those two locations. And then April 14th at Petco Park when uh, opening day, the home opener is against the Atlanta Braves. Matt Olson and the Atlanta Braves, they're in the upper deck uh, serving cheesesteaks and garlic fries. They have a garlic fries stand, I believe, uh, behind home plate, field level. And then they have their regular stand by the Bally Sports San Diego uh, broadcast booth down the third baseline. So that is our sponsor, Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and subs. Great cheesesteaks, great fries. Go enjoy that. Um, but this is episode 128, a lot to talk about today. Comparing the Padres and the Dodgers lineups after the Freddie Freeman edition, how A.J. Preller has handcuffed himself, handcuffed the roster. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, Jorge Soler, we'll get into that because Jorge Soler, uh, it seems like the Padres are interested in him, and so that's a big question that I can put out to the comments here for anyone watching over on YouTube. Uh, are the Padres interested? Should they really be interested in Jorge Soler? Options are flying off the board, obviously. You know, Castellanos is still out there, Conforto is still out there, but Soler does provide power. Um, but last year, in terms of their interest, I wrote about it quickly on GaslandBall.com, just a little news piece with Dave O'Brien of The Athletic. Uh, I believe he was the one that reported it, that the Padres and the Braves were the two that have been talking to Jorge Soler. And so it'll be interesting to see if those are the only two teams that stay in that whole bidding process and all of that. Um, but as for Soler, I mean, he has a, he had a negative .3 war last year in 2021, so that doesn't, that doesn't look great. But at the same time, there was no DH in the National League last year. He had to play the field. He's not the strongest defender. Um, but obviously in the postseason, like in the World Series when there was a DH in Houston, he obviously came up huge in Game 6 with that big monstrous home run to left field, which Braves fans are going to remember for the rest of their life. And just imagining that being at Petco Park instead of Minute Maid Park and him smashing that ball onto the Western Metal Building is definitely a sight that you'd want to see. It's just a matter of how much are they willing to pay to go for him. And if they want to commit to him as the sole D8 now that Tatis is hurt and you don't know if, he, if, if it might be better for him to be the DH when he comes back. Um, and obviously... Even though Soler did hit 27 home runs last year with the Braves and Kansas City combined in the regular season, it's still a worthy question in my mind to ask if you still want to give him whatever it's going to be, $12 million a year, whatever the offer will be, are you willing to step up and give that much money um, when in the future you've already stated according to reports that you want to have that position to be more flexible and Obviously, with the Tatis injury is definitely a factor, I think. And Jorge Soler, I know, like I mentioned, the 27 home runs, but let's be fair. Let's be real here. He is not the same player offensive-wise, power-wise, that Nelson Cruz is. And I'd be happy with getting Soler, but I don't know if I'd be as happy if we have to overpay for him on a one-year or if you have to give him two years or something. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to do that. Now... Is Jorge Soler a better option than Jorge Alfaro as the DH, which is pretty much what it is right now? I'd argue that yes. But at the same time, I just I, I wouldn't want to give him multiple years. And you do wonder what if the Padres would want to have him, like I mentioned earlier, would they want him to be that DH every single day? 
Where in Nelson Cruz, I think they're okay with that because he's proven that he can be that everyday DH. Soler led the AL in home runs, I think, in 2019 with the Royals in the American League. I think he was DHing then. So maybe you could say that he proved it then. But at the same time, it's, it's not as long of, of a track record as Nelson Cruz is, you know? Um, so it, it's definitely a question. It's definitely a debate that you're, you're willing to have. Um, and I think that the Padres front offices obviously already had, I think, if they're even in the discussions for Jorge Soler, which is obviously what they are. So I'd be – my take on this, again, in the comments on YouTube, go ahead and give your uh, thoughts on if you'd want Jorge Soler, if you'd want to give him two years, if that's what it's going to take, uh, how much on a one-year deal you'd be willing to give him. Give your thoughts in the comments section. If you're watching on replay, still give your comments. Love to communicate with Padres fans. Um, but, yeah, like – my take on this is I would be I'm interested in him. I think the Padres should be interested on him, but there's probably a limit where they're like, okay, I don't want to really overpay for this. And kind of to be quite honest, maybe that's what they did with say Suzuki. You know, with five years, eighty-five million, that seems like a big overpay for a guy that hasn't had any plate appearances in the big leagues. Especially, and we'll get to Preller how he's handcuffed the roster uh, the, in terms of the amount of money that he can spend. And we'll get to all that, but especially with Kim, you know, coming over from Japan and not really hitting very well, and it seems like that was an overpay, seems like a contract. That was a contract that's, that the Padres were the only team that was willing to give that amount of money to Kim. Like, it felt like that was a massive overpay, giving him $7 million a year, no at-bats in the big leagues, uh, not as huge of a power threat as Otani or Suzuki, and giving him $28 million, that just seemed like an overpay. Um, and it seems like it right now, uh, but we'll see. Let's see here. Coming back with the SDSU reaction. Yep, Jacob, yeah. San Diego State, uh, hopefully they bounce back next year, but this is the, this was a team where it was like they could have a chance to really go far and at least give Kansas a run for their money in the second round, assuming Kansas wins tonight, because Kansas – it doesn't, it doesn't matter what team it was. San Diego State's defense is good. It just hurt them that Nathan Mensah fouled out. Um, but again, this is Talking Fires Padres podcast, so I do want to keep it more Padres. But I did. Obviously, I'm sure a lot of people that are going to be watching and listening to this were watching that game and definitely could share my frustration, Jacob's frustration. Obviously, he goes there um, in that loss. And they deserve to lose with all the fouls and – missing free throws and stepping out of bounds and missing layups. I mean, they, they deserve to lose. So, um, All right. So I did want to get to Freddie Freeman going to the Dodgers, obviously. I was working last night, obviously. Uh, so I had a live stream, episode 127, talking about Seiya Suzuki. The Padres missing out on him, so you can go listen or watch to that. Uh, but that was earlier in the day yesterday on Wednesday. But today, Thursday, obviously, Thursday night, is when I'm recording this, going live on YouTube. And... So I didn't get a chance to give my thoughts fully on Freddie Freeman going to the Dodgers other than on Twitter, on Twitter people that saw that. Um, but yeah, this sucks. Six years, $162 million, a $27 million average annual value. And the Braves offer was five years, $140 million. So I don't blame Freddie, you know, not wanting to take that five-year offer because obviously he got $22 million more from the Dodgers than the Braves. 
Um, and obviously, I didn't like how the Braves, you know, treated Freddie, like winning a World Series, winning the MVP in 2019 or 2020. Uh, that just wasn't a great look if I was, if you know, if I'm in that Atlanta front office, just how much he means to Atlanta, how much he means to that organization, and you give up a bunch of prospects, including Christian Pache, your big center field prospect who's in the big leagues already, give up all those guys for Matt Olson, who you end up giving more money to, who hasn't even played a spring training game in that Braves uniform. That just seems like kind of like a slap in the face if I was Freddie Freeman, but as for the Padres, I mean, obviously this, this sucks for them. I mean, Again, it was another tease if you're the Padres, right? There was, uh, there was these, re- these reports out about the Padres being interested in Freddie Freeman and Bob Nightingale obviously putting that out. And we know that he, his reporting has kind of sucked in the past, uh, not being very accurate, having Trevor Bauer going to the Mets and then he goes to the Dodgers the very next morning. Uh, just some stuff like that, falling for the Suzuki to the Padres Japan tweet. Uh, from an account that had like less than 30 followers. So his track record isn't great there. Uh, But him reporting that Freddie Freeman, the Potters were interested in him. Obviously, they were interested in him. Kevin Acey said that. He backed that up uh, later yesterday. Yesterday or the day before, I forget. These days are kind of mixed in in my brain right now. Um, But he he made that clear that the Potters were interested. They just weren't really in the bidding war like it. Nightingale was saying um, so but in terms of the Padres I didn't think that they were going to get him didn't think it was realistic I mean they, they're paying 144 million dollars to a one win player a zero win player if you look at the Fangraphs war a guy that's not made not earned 75 and a half of the 80 million dollars of base salary that he's been paid by the Padres in the first four years of his contract and when that guy's making that much money not producing it's a hole it's something that's going to prevent the team from Spending. I mean, they have now with the Nick Martinez deal, you know, given six million dollars this year because it's four million dollars, and we'll get to that contract. I mean, I didn't like that at all, especially with the updated terms. But giving him six million this year, the two million dollars signing bonus, the four years this year that he's going to be earned guaranteed salary, that's six million dollars off the 20 that they had room for, according to Spot Track, that to stay under that 230 million dollar competitive balance tax threshold uh, number. And so now that leaves them with like $14 million of room. So Freddie Freeman making $27 million a year from the Dodgers, that's $13 million over what the Padres' uh, luxury tax space would have been. So while Freddie Freeman's a great player and all that, I don't think they like the, the – they, I don't think they really like that proposition of Freddie playing – they liked it playing first, but I didn't think they liked Hosmer being a full-time DH. That's not appealing to them, I don't think. And obviously, he, they're shopping him hard, shopping him aggressively. And his comments, which I was pissed off about this week, trying to degrade the front office and saying, this wouldn't have happened in Kansas City. Kansas City is this amazing organization. But at the back of, uh, you know, in the back of his head, he's like, well, they're not that great of an organization because they didn't, I didn't end up going there. I didn't go back there. So if they're that much great of an organization, Eric, why did you not just go back to the Royals and take a hometown discount? You would have been loved there for the rest of your career, however, regardless how much you sucked. Uh, but no, you, you wanted to sign here. You thought they were a great front office then, right? When they gave you the boatload of money, right? Money that no one was willing to give you. 
Um, so that contract obviously is really hamstringing the Padres in terms of getting a guy like Freeman, something like that. Um, but as for obviously, he's on the Dodgers now, and you can't really do anything about that. And it sucks. It's like the fifth gut punch post lockout. Not even talking the off season or the last year with the Scherzer and all that, but just the last gut punch of this post lockout. Uh, Suzuki to the Cubs, obviously coming to Petco Park and all that, and thought that you know the Padres were really going to be interested in him. He goes to the Cubs. Mark Kleinsand reporting that Nelson Cruz was going to be deciding between the Potters and Dodgers, and then he doesn't go to either of them. Uh, so they lose out on 30 home runs there. And then Chris Bryant, there was some rumored interest from John Heyman that he was talking about. With Chris Bryant, he ends up going to the Rockies in a deal. Freddie Freeman, obviously, to the Dodgers, a division rival, the Padres' biggest competition to win a division. And now he's going to be facing Padres pitching and hitting home runs off of the Padres probably at some point during these 19 meetings this year. And then he's going to be there for five more years in advance. And you add that to Mookie Betts that's already on the team and uh, Bellinger and Muncy and Justin Turner and Will Smith, who's a young, one of the best catchers in the league. Walker Bueller, Dustin May, Julio Rios in that rotation. Uh, it just stinks. Again, this is like five gut punches in terms of, I mean, the Tatis injury, I didn't even mention that. His wrist injury was obviously probably the biggest one. I know missing out on guys is disappointing, but when your hometown guy, the guy that you're giving a lot of money to, the face of the franchise, the guy that is a big reason why some of these casual Padres fans buy tickets to these games because they want to see Fernando play and he's out for the first half of the season for something that he could have controlled and for something that he shouldn't have even been out for the first half of the season for because he shouldn't have even been riding a motorcycle in the first place. It's just frustrating. It's gut punch after gut punch. It's kicking the nuts after kicking the nuts. And frankly, I'm pretty tired of it right now. And I think that a lot of Padres fans are. And I applaud the people like Ben Higgins on Ben and Woods, 97.3, the fan that are like all optimistic and they're trying to play the optimistic viewpoint because there's still guys available like Nick Castellanos and Michael Conforto. And there's still guys available. There's still the season hasn't started. The spring training, first spring training game hasn't even started yet. That's tomorrow at one o'clock. Pacific time against the Mariners in Arizona so with Gore on the mound so you can still I guess try to spin it optimistically but it's hard to spin it optimistically when you're not just looking at the things cut and dry you're looking at it from the viewpoint that it looked like we were so close to getting Nelson Cruz and we didn't get him it looked like we were so close to getting Seiya Suzuki and we didn't get him it looked like the Padres had some level of interest in Freddie Freeman. We didn't get him. It looked like the Padres had some interest in Chris Bryant. We didn't get him. It looks like Castellanos, the Padres were interested in somewhat in him before the lockout. And now John Morosi is reporting that the Phillies and Marlins are the ones making pushes for him. So it's just a lot of stuff that's going on here. And then the Jorge Soler that the Padres reporting and how the Padres are interested in him. It just It's hard to be optimistic about it because it's the same, same teasing story. We've gone through this with multiple players in the last week that it looked like the Padres were really interested, finalists for, and then they don't come here. The narrative that people don't want to come to San Diego. I don't want to believe that narrative that players don't want to come to the Padres. Uh, and, I mean, but you just, it's just reality. Like, the, there's no one that's coming to the Padres. The only guy that's come to the Padres is Nick Martinez, and he's fighting for the fifth spot in the rotation, so that's not a big splashy move for casual fans. 
And at the same time, that one move that they made post-lockout with, like what I'm mentioning, Nick Martinez, is it was an overpay. I mean, this contract, it sucks, you know? We'll get into that later because I did want to compare lineups first. I did some research that totally displays the huge gap between the Padres and the Dodgers lineups right now. And it's pretty disheartening and it's pretty embarrassing. And it's like, man, it's going to be hard to win the division or be close to winning the division if Tatis is out for the first half of the season. Like it seems like he is. He had wrist surgery today. We'll get to some of that uh, and get to some of those. Uh, or He had surgery, I think, yesterday. Um, in the morning, we'll get to some comments Bob Melvin made about how that's going, uh, what the stages of his recovery is, if the timeline's still uh, that same three months. Uh, but just gut punch after gut punch after gut punch. And it's kind of hard to believe that they're going to get Soler when all of these reports come out that they're going to be close with someone and they end up not getting him. So um, potential Dodgers lineup, potential Padres lineup. I did want to go over that. I'll check Twitter real quick to see if that Solaire news came down. Nothing. Okay, so Danny Duffy going to the Dodgers, one-year deal. That adds another option. They have Andrew Heaney. They have Dustin May, David Price, Bueller, Kershaw, Arias. Great. They just keep adding guys, and the Padres have Nick Martinez as an overpay. That's great. Um, I like the rotation, so I'm not going to complain about the rotation. I like the rotation on paper. I think it's the best in baseball on paper. But then, at the same time, pessimistic Ben here, uh, putting a rotation on paper, the best rotation in baseball, that means absolutely nothing as we saw last year. So, um, Look, Freeman of the Dodgers stinks, and now you add Freddie Freeman to a Dodgers lineup, and the, protect, the projected Dodgers lineup now, according to MLB Network, Mookie Betts, right field leading off, Trey Turner, shortstop hitting second, Freddie Freeman at first, Will Smith, one of the best young catchers in baseball, hitting fourth, Max Muncy hitting uh, fifth, Second base, Justin Turner, third base. Cody Bellinger, center field. Chris Taylor hitting eighth in left field. A.J. Pollock, D.H. is what they slot him at in the ninth hole. I mean, Chris Taylor, they gave, I think, didn't they give him $64 million this offseason? And he's hitting eighth. That just shows how much versatility they have. And this whole D.H. thing, too. Like the Padres right now, like Jorge Alfaro is probably the DH. The Dodgers have, they could have nine guys be the DH out of all those nine position players right there. All those guys are capable of being DHs because they're all pretty good hitters. I mean, A.J. Pollock, isn't he a former All-Star? Batting ninth in this projected lineup. And so that lineup of Betts, Turner, Freeman, Smith, Muncie, Turner, Bellinger, Taylor, Pollock... Their 2021, I looked this up, their 2021 total war last year, according to Baseball Reference, all nine dives, was 31.7 wins. In comparison, the Padres lineup right now, the current Padres lineup as it stands, Grisham, Cronenworth, Manny, Myers, Hosmer, Alfaro, DH, Profar in left, Nola, Catcher, Kim, batting ninth, shortstop. That's just the nine names, not in any particular order. Their war last year in total, 17.5. That's a 14.2 win difference between the Dodgers' 2021 war and the Padres' 2021 total war. And so that's a huge gap. And maybe the Padres' starting rotation, with if they all stay healthy and all that, and on paper they look great, best rotation in baseball on paper, like I just mentioned earlier, maybe they can you know, 
make the gap a little bit smaller there and prevent that big nine, one through nine strong Dodger lineup from producing a bunch of runs like they did last year uh, and sweeping the Padres like they did uh, in what? Late August at Petco Park. Maybe that's a bright side of this, but the Padres lineup right now doesn't compare at all with the Dodgers lineup. And this, this Padres lineup, obviously, what I'm talking about is them without Tatis. And I, I would put Grisham probably leading off and Cronenworth and Manny. And then after that, I mean, there's a drop-off. I mean, I want to believe Myers. I love Myers. Probably my – he might be my favorite player on the team. I like Paddock too for anyone that knows me personally. But um, after that, I mean, it's Hosmer, Alfaro, Profar, Nola, Kim – I mean, Kim, his war was because of his defense last year. Nola can't really stay healthy. Profar, he doesn't really have power. Puts together good at-bats, but not a whole lot else. Not great defensively in left field. Alfaro, they're banking on what he did in 2019 when that was a while ago. Hosmer, obviously, hasn't earned his contract anywhere near that and never will unless he produces somehow big in the postseason and leads into a World Series or something. So after Grisham, and even Grisham, like he had a down year last year, he had over three wins uh, war. So I'm not, I think he's going to bounce back as well. I think Will and Grisham are good bounce back candidates. Um, but after Grisham, Cronenworth, and Manny, and then if you want to put Myers in there, after that, the bottom half of the lineup is a big drop off, in my opinion. And then the bottom half of the lineup for the Dodgers is Max Muncy, who's participated in home run derbies and he's former All Star, Justin Turner. Cody Bellinger, Chris, Chris Taylor, A.J. Pollock, those are huge names. Guys that actually have real positions in the field, you know? And so that's a little bit discouraging. And again, from the Padres' current lineup without Tatis and the Dodgers' current lineup with Freeman, that's a 14.2 win difference. With obviously the Dodgers being 14.2 wins above from uh, the 2021 war total. Uh, so that's discouraging, very discouraging. Um, and I did that research earlier this morning, and I, I thought, to be quite honest, I thought it was actually going to be a bigger gap than that because I guess I wasn't factoring in Kim's great defensive year last year and Grisham. I didn't think Grisham was going to be an over three-win player. It seemed like he did take a big step back last year. But, hey, I mean, I guess that means that if he has a bounce-back year, he could be a five-win player this year or something like that. So... That's definitely discouraging. Um, and so Freddie Freeman obviously is another big gut punch for the San Diego Padres because they're going to have to play him. You know? And then you have Chris Bryant in division to the Rockies. You have Nelson Cruz going to the Nationals. Obviously, oh, good thing he's not with the Dodgers. I mean, I guess that's a silver lining. Uh, but you have Suzuki not coming here. Tatis, your best player out. It's just – it sucks. Um, but now, we'll get – we got past that. I do want to move on to the Nick Martinez deal, which was announced yesterday. Obviously, I was working, so I did not have I, – I was not going live last night. I went live in the morning yesterday. Uh, and Gil, by the way, in the comments here, Nomar Mazzara and Jorge Onya. I have faith in either one. They're sleepers. I guess you can have faith in them. Jorge Onya, I don't. Uh, Nomar Mazzara, maybe a little bit, but his batting average sucked. Last year, and I know batting average isn't that big, but even then, he just was not good. He's not the same player, breakout player that he was in Texas. Um, 
But going, getting back to that Nick Martinez deal, four years, $25.5 million. Before the lockout, it was supposed to be four years, $20 million. So there I was – even then I was like, really, giving $20 million to Nick Martinez, a guy who hasn't pitched in the big leagues in a few years, coming over from Japan? Okay, he had an ERA under two, but that's not in the big leagues, you know? And that's another contract like Kim and Profar that what other team – I'd love to know what other team – was giving Nick Martinez $25.5 million. What team was going to give him $20 million? He, it seemed like he was agreeing to a $20 million deal before the lockout, so no other team was giving him that much money. And so then they increase it by $5.5 million post-lockout? Couldn't that money be spent better elsewhere? I mean, giving him a $2 million signing bonus and then $4 million this year? And then it's extremely player-friendly. This guy's the fifth. He's not even guaranteed the fifth starter rotation spot. He's probably going to get it because they want to try to justify the contract. But I think Chris Paddock has the upper hand in terms of current Padres. You know, I know Martinez is one now, but before Martinez, I think Paddock had the upper hand. Uh, and Kevin Acey, I think, said that this week on uh, Extra. But Martinez doesn't have the fifth spot totally, you know, filled up right now. You know, he's, it's not guaranteed that he has that fifth spot in the rotation. So what if he sucks in spring training? And what if Paddock pitches well? And maybe that's good, right? You want Paddock to pitch well and all that. But then what are you doing with Martinez? You're paying him $6 million this year, including with the signing bonus. You're but are you going to put him in the bullpen when he's not used to being a bullpen arm? He was starting overseas. You're going to put him there. So, look, four years, $25.5 million. It, it seems like an overpay. And this is a pro-player deal. I understand it being a pro a uh, a pro player deal if Martinez was like an ace and it was a one year type deal and they were really going for a World Series like they are. It seems like they're trying to. I know the Tatis injury really hurts, but they're still trying to. But let's. It would be one thing if this was like Kershaw or anything like that. Um, it would be one thing if it was someone like that, right? Or Scherzer, and you're giving them a one year high AAV deal and you're going to give them a bunch of player options and say hey you can control your destiny you know we want you we're thinking about this year that's how much we want to win but with Martinez he's battling for the fifth spot like I just mentioned his fifth his rotation is not his rotation spot is not guaranteed right now and so to make this a full pro player thing he has player options after this year after next year and after the year after that so it can be a one-year deal. If he pitches well this year, and obviously that would be good for the Padres, but then that means you don't get him next year probably because he's going to go get a bunch, probably double the contract somewhere else. And if he pitches bad, well, again, guess what? He's just going to opt in and make a bunch, you know, $5 million next year. So this is a total pro-player deal, and... Maybe I, I get that Perler has all the scouts and they have all the advanced numbers and they know more than we do, but at the same time, like, was this really a needed move? Was this a needed move? That's my that's my question. Like last year, going you know with the Musgrove edition, I was like, I don't know if this is a needed move, but, but I, I thought, looking back on it, I thought it was a more needed move than this move. Because Paddock was like, what, three-starter before Musgrove got here last year? 
and Clevenger was hurt, so he wasn't an option. So it was a two-man horse race at the top with the Darvish Snell, and then Musgrove came. And so I was like, okay, he's going to be the three-starter. Okay, maybe, yeah, it probably is a needed move. But with Martinez, is it really a needed move? Like, they have more home. I know he's on the 60-day aisle, which I don't get, but they did that to make room for Martinez. But they had more home. Weathers can piggyback with Lamette. That's an option. Yeah, Daniel, he just made that comment. That's an option. Uh, they have Gore, who just touched 99. He's starting tomorrow in the spring training game. So we'll see how he looks there. Uh, but I don't know if this was so much needed. And I, I might be on frozen cold takes, whatever that account is on Twitter. You know, six months from now when Martinez, you know, wins like, you know, he wins all these games and he's pitching six innings or whatever. But I just don't really see that happening right now. And it, it's just like, it just didn't, that move didn't feel like it was really needed. When you have a bunch of options in Lamette and Weathers and Gore maybe even, and Paddock and Weathers, you have options at the back just to compete for that five spot. And then, but you bring in Nick Martinez and give him $25.5 million on a deal that it didn't seem like anyone else was even close to being willing to offer him that. Props to Nick Martinez's agent, I guess. I mean, but that just feels like a severe overpay. And these deals, and I guess that's where we can move to right now with these deals that Preller's made and how that's really hamstrung the Padres. I mean, he's made multiple deals in these last few years with players that aren't star players, by the way, that other teams, if you ask them and give a lie detector test, other teams probably said, no, 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 no. There's no way we are going to give that much money to this player, you know? Johnny Cage asks, who is Nick Martinez? Exactly. I know, I'm a Dyer fan. I know who Nick Martinez is. But for these casual fans here that don't know who it is, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys, they're like, Nick Martinez, who the heck is that? He came over from Japan. He used to pitch for the Royals. I think he pitched on Team USA in the Olympics. Uh, he had an ERA under two last year. Uh, so there's promise there. It seems like he's improved. Pierce Johnson came overseas from the uh, and came to the Padres and pitched well last year. So there's, I guess, some success there, but he was a reliever, not a starter. Otani obviously came over, but we can't compare Otani and Martinez. I mean, please, that's a joke. We're not doing that. So he did used to pitch for the Rangers as well. Um, so that's who Nick Martinez is, but these deals that hum has hamstrung the Padres. And you just look back on them, and these deals, no other GM would probably give this amount of money as Preller had to these guys. I mean, Jerks and Profar... After a good two-month season in 2020, Preller gives him $21 million. There's no other team that was going to give a utility guy that much money who had a two-month good season. You know, like, that wasn't happening. There was no other team that was going to give Hassan Kim $28 million. I'm sorry, I don't think there was. And maybe they were willing to give him $7 million a year, but they weren't going to give him four years on a guy that hasn't pitched or playing in the big leagues, you know, these contracts. So, and then you add in the Hosmer, obviously $18 million on the luxury tax this year. Profar, $7 million this year on the luxury tax. Hassan Kim, $7 million this year on the luxury tax. Nick Martinez, $6.3 million this year on the luxury tax uh, because of obviously the signing bonus. And then Drew Pomerantz is another one, $8.5 million this year. He gave him that big, what, three-year, four-year deal, um, in free agency and he hasn't stayed healthy didn't stay healthy last year had that flexor tendon surgery and he hasn't even gotten on a on a mound yet 
from reports that I saw from Bob Owen today, we're getting to some of his comments a little in a little bit, but that $18 million from Hosmer, $7 million Profar, 7 Kim, 6.3 million Martinez, 8.5 million Pomerantz, that totals to $46.8 million in luxury tax this year from five players who are overpaid from what it seems and from guys that aren't contributing a lot to the team. 46, over $46 million. That $46 million, and I know that you could say, well, Ben, look, Hosmer's already on the books. You can't make that big of a deal about that. And, but like Profar, what if we even rate, just took that $7 million down and that contract was like $4 million? And same with Kim. That's $6 million there. And so going in, they'd have $26 million of room before the Nick Martinez deal. And so they'd still have $20 million of room instead of now $14 million before the $230 million luxury tax value. Uh, threshold. So it's just these little things that I think probably fans don't really think about. But I mean, that's $46.8 million of room for guys that are being overpaid this year. And then in terms of that $46.8 million, and I know this is drastic, but, and maybe this is overkill here, but if you took away that $46.8 million and they had $46.8 million of room, additional room, and I'm just using that 46.8, I'm not even adding the $20 million or the $14 million room that they have right now, just the $46.8 million of those five players that I listed. That would have given them room to add Nelson Cruz at $15 million this year and Freddie Freeman at $27 million this year, or Nelson Cruz $15 million this year and Chris Bryant $26 million this year, or Nelson Cruz $15 million this year and Seiya Suzuki $17 million this year. So that's three combinations that would have added a lot of power to this lineup and definitely made this team better and helped compensate for obviously losing probably 20 home runs from Tatis at the start of the season. So again, Cruz and Freeman, they would have had the money for, or Cruz and Bryant, they would have had the money for, or Cruz and Suzuki, they would have had the money for. There's obviously different combinations as well, probably involving like a Conforto and a Soler, something like that. But like... When you look at it that way, it's it's alarming. It's like, what the heck? Like, it leaves you... Like, when I was looking this up, I was like, holy cow. Like, I'm a big AJ Preller supporter, have a shirt, walk around the ballpark every year, in Preller we trust, except when Jace Tingler was hired, I, I didn't wear that thing for a while. I brought it back when they made the playoffs, but, like, then after that, I mean, that probably wasn't used very much because Tingler obviously... Didn't make the playoffs, they collapsed, and he ends up getting fired. But now I'm more on the Impreller We Trust bandwagon with the Bob Melvin signing, uh, bringing him in, the out-of-box thinking there. But with the Martinez, it seems like an overpay. And then not bringing in Suzuki, not make, bringing in Cruz, not bringing in uh, Chris Bryant, and probably missing out on Castellanos from what reports think. Obviously... Obviously, the Hosmer contract obviously is going to be sting on his resume. He's hired three managers now. It's getting harder and harder and harder to be like, I fully trust Preller. I trust, I trust him a little bit in the trade market. Like, the Grisham deal looks good. The Musgrove deal looks good. Cronenworth, they won that deal. I know what I know. the intention was Tommy Pham, but they did get Cronenworth out of it. And it seems like they won that deal. So there are deals that they he's won, but there's also deals that he hasn't won. So... I'm still on the Intrella We Trust bandwagon, or I don't even know if it's a bandwagon because I don't even – there's a look on Twitter. I mean, it, people are bashing him. 
So maybe it's not a bandwagon. I'm just on the wagon of Impreller Retrust still because I feel like there's still options out there. I feel like he still he has to make a move. You're not going to have Profar as the starting left fielder. I keep saying that. And as the days go on, there's no outfield additions, no offensive additions. And so that prediction and that statement that I'm saying makes it look worse and worse and worse. But, like, at the same time, it's like he has no other option. They made the playoffs once in his seven years here, and it was a two-month season. So he has no other option but to add, you know? Um, but just look at these ham, just those contracts, those five contracts that really hamstrung the San Diego Padres and prevented them from really having, or at least Seidler feeling, feeling like, or feeling like he has a lot of flexibility. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to mention that and definitely in the comments, give your thoughts on that. And, uh, it, it's just, it was just mind boggling for me looking at that. It's like, man, seriously. Wow. When you look at it, I don't know what I was expecting, but like $46 million, almost $47 million of money to players that aren't really producing to the level that probably probably expected. And it's like, dang, it sucks. Uh, but, I mean, available free agent outfielders and DHs, according to Spot Track earlier today, again, they have $14 million about in luxury tax room before the $230 million threshold. And whenever, whenever if they do go over that, then Seidler will have to pay a 30% tax because they went over it last year. He's going to have to pay a 30% tax of how many million dollars they go over that $230 million number. So it just gets trickier and trickier. Do they really want to go all in when Tatis is out for the first half of the year? And look, I'm a big proponent. You go all in. I think you go all in, go over it, whatever. But if you're going to go over it, you do a Steve Cohen thing. You really go over it. You spend big. You get Castellanos. You go all in. And I think if they were going to do that, I think they would have gone all in already, to be quite honest. I think they would have gone all in on someone like Say Suzuki because they met for him multiple days. I said it was an overpay. I still think it is. $85 million is a lot for Suzuki who hasn't made a big league at bat yet, even in spring training. But with that said, it seemed like they were really aggressive with him. If you were going to go all in, I would say go all in on Nelson Cruz. The guy's 30 home runs a year, easily. And they didn't do that. So it's it feels like they're not really going all in right now in terms of you know going way past that $230 million luxury tax threshold. I want to be clear here for anyone that doesn't agree or isn't really getting my message here. I think they're going all in in terms of the roster construction. But in terms of the money and if they're – in terms of going all in like superstars and not even caring about the money, the threshold, anything like that, like Steve Cohen's going under going over right now given 43 million to Scherzer and all that, and Marte and Escobar and uh, Mark Canna, guys like that, and uh, Chris Bassett. It doesn't feel like they're, they're going to go way over like that. So in terms of that, it doesn't feel like they're going all in in that aspect. So be, I want to be clear on that. Uh, but in terms of options, Castellanos is market value, which is surprising. I thought it would be more 25 to 30 million a year. Track says $21.36 million a year. So that's definitely much more uh, affordable for the Padres if they're able to get rid of Pomerantz somehow or they're able to I, they're not going to because Profar is their starting left fielder right now but if they were able to dump like a Profar contract somehow and have the room to add more room and get Castellanos at that value number uh, but like Conforto 
I would not do this. His market value, according to Spotract, is $19.1 million. And it's, I would not give almost $20 million to Michael Conforto. That's just me, especially after a bad year last year. And I think Boris is his agent, so he's just going to continue propping him up. Um, so I wouldn't give him that. But those are, t those are the two big options left. They are. Tommy Pham, obviously 34 years old, 34 years old. He'd probably be a one-year deal. I'd give him like four or five million. Definitely not seven, eight million. There's like no market for him. I have not heard anything about Tommy Pham. I don't know about you guys. I've not heard anything about him. So maybe someone in the comments knows something I don't, but I think four or five million, he's probably desperate to just get a deal. And I, I'd be open to that as a fourth outfielder. But if he comes in as the starting left fielder, I guess that's better than Profar, but like they didn't improve there. Now, if he has a better year, maybe they improve. But in terms of additions, going into the season, they did not improve there. That's just staying stagnant. And then actually, if you take into account, they got worse because you take 20-plus home runs in the first half of the season from Tatis out of the lineup. They actually got worse offensively. So they didn't get better. They didn't stay pat. They didn't stay the same because they lost Tatis. So it's a lot of things here where it's like it's hard to get better right now because it doesn't seem like they're going to spend a bunch of money on Conforto. It doesn't seem like they should spend a bunch of money on Castellanos, but like they also at the same time should because they're missing on they just they're just missing out on a bunch of guys. Um, but he's another option, fam. Kevin Pilar's not power, but he's out there. Brett Gardner, he's out there. That's probably not an option because he probably wants to retire or be back with the Yankees. Jorge Soler's out there. Obviously, we mentioned talked about him. Uh, 27 home runs last year. Big postseason here in Game Six of the World Series for the Braves last year in Houston. He's 30. So the two, the three viable options, I think, for Castellanos, Conforto, Fam, Soler. I don't think I think Conforto's an option if his value low, uh, is lower. I think Castellanos is an option, even though the Phillies and the and the uh, Marlins seem like the two teams, according to J.P. Morosi, that are going after him. Solaire is an option. Padres, Braves are interested, but again, like I mentioned, it's hard to like believe that the Padres are going to get him because there's been multiple reports where the Padres are very interested in this guy. The other team, the other guy, seems very interested in them, and they still don't end up getting him. So it's just hard to be optimistic right now. Albert Pujols is 42 years old. And from what reports I've seen, they're not really interested in him. And I would be hesitant there as well. Uh, he's slow as heck. You know, anyone that saw on Twitter me, that minor league or independent league game where that tall guy standing on some, like, big machine thing running to first base, really slow, and, like, he was about to poop his pants. Like, just very slow. Like, that, that's just look, how it looked like it was. And I was like, uh, this was Albert Pujols running down the line last year for the Dodgers. Like, he's slow. He's 42. Does he have occasional pop? Yeah, but he's just not the same anymore. And Chris Davis is another guy, 34 years old. He's not even the same prime Chris Davis that was crushing home runs, 40-plus home runs for the A's when Bob Melvin was with the A's. But maybe that's an outside option with Bob Melvin maybe trying to recruit him, worst-case scenario or something. But at the same time, like, that wouldn't be a splashy move for me. That wouldn't like be, oh, Chris Davis. That would be intriguing because I'm a dire fan and I know what he has, he has done. But I think casual fans are going to be like, Chris Davis, he spells his name with a K, K-H-R-I-S. What the heck? You know? So I, I, don't, I don't know. I know he's 34. 
Obviously, that's past his prime. He's not the same guy. I don't. I have never. I haven't heard anything that they're like interested in him. So, but those are options. And as you can see from those names, their options have continued to be smaller and smaller. Correa is not an option. Obviously, they're not giving him a bunch of money on a one-year deal, which would have been the only possibility when Tatis is going to come back in the middle of the year. And that money. They'd be paying more money to a Correa or a Story on a one-year deal because they'd want it to be high AAV than they would have to like Freddie Freeman at 27 a year or Chris Bryant at 26 a year. So, I mean, and then it boggles my mind still that Chris Bryant to Colorado, what Colorado's thinking. So you trade away Nolan Arenado, the hometown kid or homegrown kid. Everyone loves him. Gold glove, probably a Hall of Famer, in route to the Hall of Fame as a Rocky, retiring as a Rocky, and... You trade him, you give the Cardinals $50 million, you get pretty much nothing back, Austin Gomber and a bunch of nothing. And then you say, oh no, I'm gonna go sign Chris Bryant, who's an older Arenado, I believe. Uh, you think he's older than Arenado. He's not as good defensively as Arenado at third base. And you're still not anywhere near contention, anywhere near the Dodgers, anywhere near the Padres, anywhere near the Giants. So it's like, what are you doing? You might still be a fifth place team behind Arizona. They're making additions with Melanson and some other guys. So it's like, what are they really doing there? Um, so it still boggles my mind that Chris Bryant got a high more money than Freddie Freeman did. Freddie Freeman's easily a way better player than Chris Bryant is, I think, at this stage. He just won a World Series. He just won MVP a couple years ago. Chris Bryant won MVP, when was that? 2016, right? Harper, my boy Bryce, was 2015. 2016, six years ago, that's a long time ago. So that Rockies front office, it's like Jeff Bridges left and they still got, they still are incompetent. It's like, what are you doing? But those are the options. The options are getting smaller and smaller, less and less for the Padres. So Castellanos, I, in terms of guys I wanted to go after, it was Bryant one, Suzuki, two, and then Castellanos of the big three outfielders. And now that Castellanos is the only guy, and it's like, it's like, it feels like they like have to get him now. Because if they want to try to, you know, make up at all for the Tatis absence, and then even before Tatis got hurt, the Padres needed pop in that lineup. Even for, before Tatis hurt, they needed an additional guy that would hit 30, 40 home runs. Profar's not doing that. Sorry to break it to you. Pham's not going to do that. So, and then Kim obviously is not going to do that. Replacing Tatis at short. So it's like, what are we, it's, it's just like, it feels like they almost like have to do it. Uh, so those are the remaining options. I wanted to touch on that. Let's go to some of the comments real quick. I know I've kind of been going on for a pretty long period of time there without the comments, but uh, that's, it's definitely uh, an interesting day, a lot to discuss here. Um, let's see here. Steve asks, is it true that Ron Fowler pushed A.J. Preller into Eric Cosmer? Um, I think Fowler wanted him, but I think Preller also, he wanted to make a big splash as well and kind of jumpstart that stuff, so... I think Fowler did push for it. I'll say that, but I think Preller wanted him too. I'm not going to say that he's going to. I don't think he was just sitting there at the press conference in Peoria in 2018 and lying to the media and saying, we're excited, this is great, blah, 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 blah. 
and, the, and he's actually thinking in his mind, oh crap, this deal's going to suck. I don't think he was really thinking that, maybe in the back end, just realistically, but I think he still wanted him to some degree. Gil wants Solaire 40-plus home run potential. Uh, I don't know if he can do that again. But he is, he does have the power. I think he's a 30-homer guy. It's just a matter of how much they're willing to pay him. Uh, who are you referring to? Anderson Espinosa could have been included in a package with Camposano to get rid of Hosmer. Maybe. I mean, I don't think teams value valued Espinosa very much anymore. Because he just hasn't stayed healthy. He's a Drew Pomerantz in the minor leagues. Let's see. Steve Owen, super chat question mark. Yeah, so Steve, uh, I was looking into that, I think, last night. And I can't do super... I'd love to have super chats, yeah. Um, but I think I have to have to like 1,000 subscribers or something on YouTube. So anyone that's listening here, anyone that's watching this... Please, I'd love to get to that mark so we can definitely have that. So tweet this link out that you're watching. I'm live right now. Go subscribe. Anyone watching, subscribe. Hit the like button, all that. I really appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, definitely I want to do that in the future, but I just don't have the, I guess, subscribers, I guess, according to YouTube, whatever. Uh, but I appreciate the support, man. Um, let's see here. Steve again. How much will the Padres spend have to spend in 2023 well with Myers contract coming off the book so right now they have like 14 million dollars of room without adding anyone you think they'd add someone let's say like 10 million there because they want some room maybe to add at the deadline so they have 10 million of room there you get rid of Myers's contract after this year that's another 20 million off the book so that give them probably 24 30 million dollars next year I would just think at the starting point so they'd, they'll have more room again uh, but Maybe there'll be a different GM. I don't know. It'll definitely depend on this year's result. I mean, for fans, it will. But Seidler, with his comments, he was saying that I, I wouldn't really be surprised that. Or no, no, no. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, what was it, two days ago? He was saying that he doesn't feel like it's a right now we got a win mode. And I really disagreed with that. I think that was I, – I just – I, I really disagreed with that comment. I love what he's doing. He spent money on Machado, spent money on Tatis, brought in Musgrove, brought in, you know, approved a bunch of these big money deals and obviously spent the money, wants to win. Uh, but at the same time, like saying that you don't think it's a win now mode when you have all of these supremely talented guys, Manny in his prime, Tatis, obviously almost winning the MVP last year. When he comes back, he should be pretty strong. And you have this strong core players, the best rotation on paper in baseball. What's the point in doing all of that, having all of those players, bringing in Bob Melvin, an experienced manager who's more motivated than ever to win a World Series because he hasn't won one as a manager yet, but then say that – but then what's the point of all of that and then not feel like you have to win right now? I, I don't understand that. All of the talk for a while was like 2022 – I was joking with my friends in high school, like 2022 World Series champs, and they were joking and all that. Some were Dodgers fans, and it's like, just trust me, 2022, 2022. And for them to say, well, now 2022 is here, it's like, well, we're not really in – we don't feel like we have to win right now mode. I, I disagree with that. That doesn't really make much sense to me. Let's see here. Just 
scrolling through the comments here. Mike says Abrams is untouchable. I agree, especially with Olsen gone now. I, I, I like Brian Reynolds. I think he's a complete player. But you have Abrams. He can be better than Brian Reynolds, I think. He's developing power, stronger arm, poking balls over the fence now, which he wasn't able to really do, it seems like, in the past. He is fast as heck. He's getting faster as he's gaining weight. Great defender. Uh, just He has five-tool potential, and you can have him, obviously, on a rookie deal. Six years of control when he comes up, whether that's this year, next year, who knows. Uh, look, this guy is being described as a smaller Tatis, and... Remember that last superstar, untouchable guy that Preller deemed untouchable was Tatis. And look how that happened. He's now the best player on the team. I'm not saying Abrams will be better than Tatis, but he's going to be up there. He's going to be in that core with Jake and Tatis and Manny. I think, and I'm, I firmly believe that, with Hassel in 2023, which is likely when he'll arrive. So I, I agree that he is untouchable, yeah. Uh, let's see here. All right, so let's move on to some of Bob Melvin's comments today. He said regarding Tatis' surgery, his wrist injury timeline, he had the um, what did he have? He had uh, yeah surgery, wrist surgery yesterday, I think, 9 a.m. Pacific time in uh, I for, I don't know where he did it, but Bob Melvin said that the doctor that Tatis the Tatis' surgery happened with was the same doctor that Bob Melvin had wrist surgery with in like a few years ago that's what he said no one cares about bob Millen's wrist surgery but i just thought that was an interesting tidbit that he t told the media and in terms of the timeline the updated timeline melvin said to the media today six week cast and then we'll go from there pretty much timeline is still roughly three months of recovery so it seems like a little less than th the first half of the recovery timeline he'll be on a cast then then from there it will just be building it up moving it and eventually getting a, you know, holding a bat, swinging a bat probably without making contact, uh, gripping a ball, all of that. Well, it was, I think it was left wrist, but just being careful. They're obviously going to want to be precautious. I think they'll probably DH him a little bit, obviously depending on who they add, but I think they'll be DHing him some uh, to, you know, just be precautious, take it slow with him. But that's the timeline. Cast for six weeks and go from there. Bob Melvin said that Drew Pomerantz, like I mentioned earlier, playing catch but still hasn't gotten on the mound yet, so he's doubtful for opening day. That's definitely not what you want to hear. Pomerantz just, that's one of those contracts that Preller gave him that I was mentioning about earlier that's kind of handcuffed him in terms of flexibility. Even if they didn't deal Myers or Hosmer, they could still have more flexibility if they didn't give away, if they didn't give these bad contracts up. So... That's another contract. He had flexor tendon surgery, uh, tex, tex, flexor tender surgery, uh, tendon surgery uh, last year, and he's down for, for opening day. Again, for anyone that's wanted to say that Drew Pomerantz, yeah, he might be like a closure candidate and all that, look, I'm not going to say that until he's healthy and he can pitch every other day or something in the big leagues because as a closer, as we saw with Melanson last year and all that, you're going to have to go back-to-back -back days. You're going to have to go back-to-back-to-back -back -back days sometime in those big Dodgers series. And Pomerantz, there's no way that he can do that right now when he's not even on the mound. And you're going to give him a three-week buildup and just think that he's going to be this closer uh, in the bullpen? I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, so bad news about Pomerantz there. I thought he was a little bit further along than what 
Bob Melvin said he was today, but that was surprising a little bit. Melvin said that he's looking at Ryan Weathers as a starter. Same with Gore. Uh, while Lamette is viewed more as a reliever since it's more since uh, Lamette's a little more seasons seasoned as a reliever. I'd push back on that a little bit from what Melvin's saying there. Weathers pitched out of the bullpen last year. In fact, he and Lamette piggybacked each other. You know, Weathers may have started some games while Lamette came in, but they still had bullpen type appearances. Weathers did pitch in the bullpen last year. So I think, look, Melvin, I think, said that they're going to build up Lament and Weathers a little bit as starters, multiple innings, two innings, maybe three innings probably. But he views Weathers and Gore as more starters. I agree with Gore. Yeah, you're not going to just put him in the bullpen. You're not wasting service time to put him in the bullpen. I, I don't agree with that. So I do agree that he needs to be a starter, and you're not going to give up on him being a starter when you drafted him as a starter, number one pitching prospect at one point as a starting pitcher. You bring in Ruben Niebla, who has a track record of, a, of developing Indians, uh, Cleveland Guardians now pitchers, Cal Quantrill, Coy Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger, list goes down the line. Uh, so I'm not giving up on Gore as a starter, so I agree with that. But Weathers, I think he'll be in the bullpen. I don't see him winning that fifth spot. I think it's between Paddock and Nick Martinez. Obviously, things can change with that. But I think Weathers and Lamette are probably inning, two-inning maybe guys piggybacking maybe at the beginning of the season because guys aren't going to be stretched out. I know Dave Roberts was saying that earlier today in an interview about Kershaw, how he's only going to go like three, four innings probably by opening day. So guys aren't going to be stretched out. So maybe that's also an advantage for the Padres that they do have multiple options in that uh, bullpen. I know Pierce Johnson started games last year. They have Craig Stam in there. Guys that can pitch and piggyback guys, maybe open games. Obviously, you don't want an opener. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying guys that have experience coming in the coming in the game earlier in the game rather than seventh inning and giving multiple innings, giving one inning at a time like that, I think that can definitely help the Padres in comparison to the other teams that maybe don't have as many players with that experience because they're not they they just didn't have as much depth last year as maybe the Padres did in terms of the young pitching at least at the beginning of the year before all the you know s hit the fan and all the injuries happened. Um, but that's what Melvin said. Anything else Melvin said here? Will Myers told Marty Caswell today of Extra that every hitting coach he's had, he's able to – He there was a trivia thing, and Myers was able to – it was a question. Myers was able to name every single uh, hitting coach that he's had, which I guess isn't that surprising. But for me, it was mind, it was more mind-boggling that, like, what the heck? This guy had six hitting coaches in eight years, including this year. Six? I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, he started off with Mark Kotze, then had Alan Zinter, then had Matt Stairs. That worked out great. Then Johnny Washington, Jay Wash is what he likes to call him. Then East, which is what he would like to call Damian Eastley, uh, who just got fired with that Tingler regimen. And then uh, Michael Bedard. Six hitting coaches in eight years. That just speaks to, obviously, the Padres missing on their hitting coach hires. And then, obviously, more of the fact that the Padres hitters just haven't performed. Like, a hitting coach can only do so much. They're not the ones in the batter's box. Like, they can only do so much. Kind of like the pitching coach to a degree as well. Like, at, there's a, at some point, like, the people on the field, the players on the field, they're the ones that have to just play better. So I don't want to totally blame it on the pitching coach, on the hitting coaches, the six and eight years, and 
just bad hiring. Some of them maybe were, and some of them maybe just buying into the fact that oh, he's a former player. He might be able to help communication-wise. Maybe the communication stuff just wasn't there. They weren't thinking on the same wavelength as other players and all that. Maybe it was just harder to understand. But obviously, Myers was talking glowingly of Michael Bedard, the small amount of uh, work that he's had with him so far. But yeah, Myers was able to name all six hitting coaches he's had in eight years with the team. Uh, but other notes, the MLB Draft Combine coming to Petco Park June 14th through the 20th in 2022 this year. July 17th through the 19th of All-Star Week will be the uh, draft. Uh, that's it. During All-Star Week, obviously the All-Star Game uh, at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. But June 14th through the 20th, the Combine will be 330 players. The Combine coverage will be 16th and the 17th of June on MLB Network. The draft will be 20 rounds. Uh... So, yeah, exciting stuff there. I'm sure there will be more information about if fans will be able to attend. They probably should be. I'd love to go to that, and that would be exciting. Uh, if they'll be able to attend and see that stuff, I'd assume that it would be. There was the combine in North Carolina this year, so it was, it'll probably be the same like that, like batting practice, fielding stuff, scrimmages the last couple of days, scouts obviously all there, GMs, interacting with GMs. They said that there was going to be some training on some stuff about brand, you know, building brands and all that. So we'll see what comes of that. Um, but, yeah, that's exciting that Combine's coming from North Carolina to Fetco Park in the middle of June uh, this year. Um, other signings around Major League Baseball that happened this year, or this year, technically, yeah, I guess this year, uh, happened today. Uh, we can start off. The Cubs signing Jonathan VR, one year, $6 million utility, uh, infielder pretty much. Good bat, good bat. Angels uh, signed Archie Bradley, one year, $3.75 million. The Cardinals signed Corey Dickerson. That was an outfield option. He's obviously off the board now. One year, $5 million. The Mets got former Padre Travis Jankowski on a minor league deal. Uh, he obviously has no power, but that's probably just a stolen base threat. Uh, de defense first, obviously. If injuries happen, uh, San Francisco signed Matt Boyd to a one-year $5.2 million deal. So their rotation looks really good right now uh, with DiSclefani and um, obviously Matt Boyd and Alex Cobb. And obviously they just brought in Carlos Rodon, probably will be the opening day starter. So their rotation looks good as well. Dodgers, at least first three guys look good. Padres, first four look good. And then we'll... A big intriguing storyline is who's going to get that fifth starter spot. The Dodgers starters, Mike, they do have some real questions. I do understand that. But the top three guys, top two definitely, I think they do. Um, they do don't really have as many questions as the bottom half. I think Arias is definitely good. I think Dustin May coming off Tommy John, he'll be good. So there are question marks if you want to make them question marks. There's question marks with every rotation. The Mets included. Is DeGrom going to stay healthy? Is Scherzer going to be healthy with age going up there? You know, is Bassett going to repeat what he did in the all? There, you, can, you can repeat these questions and make these questions and repeat these hypotheticals and make, hit the panic button on rotations and pitching staffs all you want. You can make those up on every single rotation in the league. So I agree that there's questions there, but then there's questions for the Padres rotation as well. And they have a better rotation on paper than the Dodgers do. So you can make questions all you want about it. Um, let's see here. I got to Matt Boyd. 
Michael Gibbons, reliever, went to the Cubs. Danny Duffy, like I mentioned earlier, going to the Dodgers. I think it's a one-year deal. So that's another option as well. Uh, he used, I think he like used to be the ace for the Dodgers. Um, or not Dodgers, excuse me. Brain fart. Uh, the Royals. Obviously, that doesn't really say much. The Royals weren't great when he was there, or the, the ace there. Uh, but he's another back depth option as well. And that contract is more friendly than the Padres is to Nick Martinez. Uh, but, hey, maybe Preller saw something in Martinez that no one knows about. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not like I watched every Nick Martinez start. I've seen some video looking at the numbers. He was good overseas, but that's not the same as Major League Baseball. And I think giving him $5.5 million more than what they offered him that he already seemed like agreed upon and they just didn't get the paperwork in on time before the lockout, giving him an additional $5.5 million seems like an overpay. Um, so there's a lot of questions with the rotation, any rotation in baseball. So, Mike, I get the point that you're making, but you can make questions about that, any rotation. So a lot was covered here today. Any more questions, I'll give you last chance in the comments there. Again, I'd appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button. I know some guys want some super chats in here. We got to get, I think, to 1,000 subscribers to get that to happen. So hit the subscribe button. Tell your friends about this YouTube show. I'm going to try to go live more often. Um, and I definitely like this live interaction. I hope you guys do as well. Uh, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that. Subscribe on uh, YouTube as well. Hit the notifications button so you don't miss any videos, any live streams. Twitter, at Talking Fires. Instagram, at Talking Fires. All the updates, all the Potters updates, all the podcasts, YouTube show updates. All of that is there, perfectly there for you. Um, so just stay tuned. I hope you guys are enjoying there's a lot that we covered here, Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers. Obviously, a lot of gut punches that the Padres have done post-lockout. Still haven't made any moves to improve the offense. Nick Martinez is the only move that they made, and that was an overpay, in my opinion, compared to what the deal was as well. Uh, last, before we get going here, hearing we are interested in Luke Voigt, possible DH. I think so. I'd be open to that, uh, but injuries are definitely a question as well, so it's not like it's a guarantee that he'll just stay healthy and you can pencil in 30 home runs. Like, he had a good 2020, but then he got hurt last year. And the Yankees, obviously, are smart. They seem pretty smart. They brought back Rizzo, and they don't want Void. it seems like. They don't believe in him. That's two times now that they brought in Rizzo and fate, uh, over, you know, trying to just ride it out with Void. So I think that they could get him for a smaller value than before. So I guess that's a encouraging thing if you're Preller. So I, th I think they should be interested if, for the right price. Mike asks, does, does, does uh, Jorge Soler re-sign with the Braves or can we nab him? I, I think odds, the favorites are the Braves because obviously he was there, had success there, he's comfortable there. Uh, but I think the question comes down to, we saw the Braves penny pinch Freddie Freeman and they ended up getting Olsen. Are the Braves willing to give Soler as much money as the Padres are? I, we don't know how much money the Braves are willing to give. We don't know how much money the Padres are willing to give. So it's kind of a question mark there, but I think that's the big question. So I think they can, but that's the question. Steve asks, what kind of injuries has Boyd had? I think knee knee, knee injuries are the big question. That's the, uh, the big injuries that he's had so far. He had surgery, sports hernia, 
2021. So those are the big injuries. The knee, I think, would be my biggest concern. Uh, so I'd be interested in him, but at the right price. And I think the price will probably be favorable for the Padres because the Yankees obviously don't want him and they don't think he's good enough to be their first baseman. They brought in Rizzo for him uh, in place of him. So, all right, this has been fun. Episode 128, Talking Ferris Podcast, sponsored by Gaglion Bros. Gaglionbros.com. Hit them up. Love all of that. Their cheesesteaks, garlic fries. Love you guys. Thank you so much for watching live, listening on podcasts or on replay. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe, download the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Come to you uh, maybe tomorrow or maybe tomorrow if there's a deal that gets done. I do work tomorrow, but maybe tomorrow, maybe Saturday. We'll see. Uh, But until next time, this has been fun. Go Padres. Stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden signing off. See ya.